1: Good morning, Dick Gabriel, filling in for the voice Tom Leach with a day off. Happy to be with you on the Leach Report today. Coming up, another great lineup of guests, as Tom usually presents each and every morning. Chris Fisher will join us, and we'll talk recruiting, of course. Chris is uh, one of the renowned experts in this area. Ben Roberts from the Herald Leader will help prep us for the Kentucky Derby. The uh, post positions are set. Some like them, some don't. That's the way it goes every year, but. Yeah, who knows? Maybe the horse on the rail will finally win again. So we'll talk to Ben about that and a lot of other things. And Kyle Tucker from The Athletic will join us and talk about a lot of things. As you know, Kyle covers the Wildcats, but he also covers the National Football League. And with a draft coming up this weekend, there's a lot to talk about there. So a full show coming up. And we invite you just to settle in in and enjoy things. We'll start you off, as always, with the Wildcat News of the Day, presented by Kentucky Beer Cheese. And it's primarily baseball dominating the news for Kentucky, as the Wildcats with a comeback win last night. It was a wild one. Over Eastern Kentucky, the Cats jumped out one nothing in the first inning, but then Eastern Kentucky tied it in the third and then put up a four spot in the fourth inning to take a 5-1 lead. Kentucky bounced back with four of its own in the bottom of the fifth inning. The big blow there being a two-run homer by Colton Kessler, the Wildcat catcher that tied the game. Uh, Kessler began the year on the bench, basically, Kentucky had recruited over him, and the uh, starting catcher was Alonzo Rubalcaba, but he broke his thumb, the thumb on his glove hand, so Kessler, who had been a pinch hitter and a DH, pressed back into service as the starting catcher, and he caught fire offensively, so he has basically forced the coaching staff in a good way to keep him in the lineup, either as a catcher or a DH, and he got the start again last night. He has homered in three consecutive games. Now, Eastern Kentucky retook the lead the following... uh, at six to five. But in the bottom of the eighth, the Wildcats rallied. And Ryan Ritter, uh, Kentucky's outstanding shortstop, one of the best defensive shortstops at UK I've ever seen, and he hasn't even been there for a full season. Ritter doubled, went the opposite way down the right field line into the corner and drove in two runs. Kentucky wins it by a final of 7-6, to six, which was big because it maintained a three-game winning streak going into this weekend series with Tennessee. And that's a Thursday through Saturday series and Game 1 on Thursday night, you can see on ESPNU. And as you well know, it was a big weekend for T.J. Collette. Tom told you yesterday about his honors. He was named once again National Player of the Week, the first time by Collegiate Baseball. This time, Colette named by the baseball writers of America, the college baseball writers, for the huge weekend he had against Alabama, which included three home runs in one game in the nightcap of the doubleheader sweep. That was a game that saw the Wildcats uh, hit seven home runs in a 10 nothing win over the Crimson Tide. One football note for you, the U.K. Football Spring All-Access show is set to air tonight. That's at 7 o'clock on the SEC Network. It's a one-hour show featuring exclusive interviews, behind-the-scenes content from Kentucky's 2021 Spring Practice. This has been produced by the UK Sports Video Team. I've worked a lot with those folks uh, led by Greg Gorham. They're they're fantastic. They are tireless workers, and you've seen their work before. You've seen it all over social media. Well, now instead of a one-minute clip here or there, you get a solid hour. And if you were jonesing for Kentucky spring football, but you couldn't scratch that itch because there was no spring game, This will help you a lot tonight. So, again, it's the U.K. Football Spring All-Access Show. It will air tonight, 8 o'clock on, I'm sorry, 7 o'clock, 7 o'clock on the SEC Network. So, uh, let us get down to business when we come back. Chris Fisher will join us, and we'll talk with him right here on the Leach Report, coming to you from the Clark's Pumpkin Shop Studio. Stay with us.
0: It's the Leach Report on Talk Radio 1080. Coming up next, it's Kentucky Sports Radio with Matt Jones.
1: Welcome back to the Leach Report. Dick Gaberlin for the voice of the Wildcats. And as you know... Basketball recruiting is 24-7, 365, and that's why Chris Fisher is uh, with us, and he is a great guest here on the Leach Report and on my show, the Big Blue Insider, as well. Chris, of course, uh, works for the Catspaws and the 247 Sports Network. Good morning, sir. How are you?
0: I'm doing well, Gabe. What's going on? Uh,
1: well, we are just uh, leading up to the Kentucky Derby, but of course, that doesn't necessarily mean we don't talk Kentucky recruiting. And you have written that this is the, the most um, important off season of John Calipari's tenure at UK. And obviously, when you're coming off a nine and sixteen season, uh, that that's going to make the off season vital. But it's really been compounded, hasn't it? By the, the staff shakeup, I mean, I think some people may have seen it coming, but now that we're in kind of the middle of it, it it's an odd feeling—not just nine and sixteen, but but assistant coaches coming and going.
0: Yeah, I mean, coming off a nine and sixteen season, especially at a place like Kentucky, if you're not making any type of changes. I mean, what are we even doing here? And um, You're not, you're not going to fire John Calipari. He makes $9 million a year. He's had a lot of uh, success here, but I think there were a lot of fans that were anxious to see uh, whether or not he was willing to change and, and what he was willing to change. And you see some of the, uh, of the staff shakeups. And I think, you know, it's, Prudent to, to get some new blood in there and have some uh, some fresh eyes on things and uh, Orlando Antigua, obviously the uh, the top target for for John Calipari he had his fingerprints on one of the best runs in Kentucky basketball history Kentucky was you know obviously recruiting at a high level winning at a high level uh, you lose Kenny Payne who was such an integral part of. Uh, the staff, both on and off the floor, as far as uh, developing players, developing uh, relationships, the trust factor uh, that was there between Kenny Payne and the players, Kenny Payne Payne and John Cooper Perry. And and I think Orlando Antigua would would go a long way in in helping rebuild some of that.
1: Any idea where they are on that? Because my thought was that he didn't – clearly immediately jump at the chance assuming they've offered him the job although it might be a 30-day thing with posting i don't know where they are on that but uh i keep reading that illinois is going to do everything it can to keep him
0: yeah i mean if you're illinois you're going to do everything you can to at least show a commitment to keeping orlando antigua and chin coleman those are the guys that uh had a huge hand in a resurgent Illinois program that had its best season in almost 20 years. And uh, those two guys helped recruit and develop a lot of the players on that team. And so they're going to do everything they can to to keep those guys at the end of the day, uh, even you know with the money and the name Kentucky uh, aside, I think Orlando Antigua's relationship with John Calipari would be enough to get him back in Lexington. And uh, if you're Kentucky, you'd, I don't think you let Tony Barbie and Joel Justice walk if you don't have a clearly defined plan in place and are willing to do what is necessary to execute that plan. So it would surprise me if Kentucky doesn't land uh, their top two uh, coaching targets. And as far as when that gets finalized, I think it's anybody's guess. Obviously, uh, the tragic loss of Terrence Clark, uh, really put a halt on, uh, a lot of the, the business dealings over the weekend. And so, um, it's anybody's, get- I would still be a little bit surprised if we don't hear something, uh, official perhaps this week, but it- I would still bet that Uh, both of those guys uh, end up on Kentucky staff sooner rather than later.
1: Interesting. Uh, You know, we keep hearing with regard to the recruiting trail that Calipari is open to taking yet another point guard or still needs a point guard. Um, And, you know, we we could talk for an hour on, on possible candidates, but it makes me wonder, Chris, about Nolan Hickman because you know whenever Calipari signs a point guard you you know you think well that's the next Calipari point guard and technically it is but is he not going to be the man at the point you know what I'm saying
0: Yeah I think there's a couple factors involved in that obviously coming off of the the season Kentucky had last year where they really couldn't create anything out of the point guard position didn't have that typical John Calipari guy who can penetrate get in the lane create shots for himself or others couldn't create separation uh, struggle with turnovers struggle with efficiency those types of things I think John Calipari wants to get back to playing multiple point guards on the floor at the same time I don't think it's so much that he doesn't trust Nolan Hickman to be that guy I think he wants to have multiple guys on the floor that can penetrate and break you down and uh, create shots for uh, what should be a much-improved shooting team with Kellen Grady and Dante Allen and perhaps uh, another transfer, uh, maybe a C.J. Frederick on the wing. Um, and then you have Oscar Shibway in the post who commands a lot of yeah. uh, attention as well. And so I think it's getting back to that multi-guard uh, lineup that is a big factor. And, you know, when you had a freshman like Devin Askew, that struggled so much last season. Um, I just think you have to cover your bases. You don't want to leave it strictly to another freshman point guard where it's all on his shoulders to to run the team. And uh, I think Kentucky's top option at point guard is Ty Ty Washington. They're in his final six. He'll make a decision, I would think, in the next week or two. And if Kentucky misses on him, I still think there are plenty of experienced point guards that uh, – are either in the portal now or will be in the portal at some point if they withdraw from the draft or or what have you. So I would still bank on Kentucky adding uh, a big-time point guard prospect, whether that's from the high school ranks or the transfer portal.
1: Chris, i got about 30 seconds left, but any news or thought on Keon Brooks and what has taken him so long? Clearly he's, he's still considering a move, I would think.
0: Yeah. I would have thought we would have uh, decisions from both Keon Brooks and Davion Mintz by this mm-hmm. point, but perhaps those two guys are waiting to see how the Kentucky roster shakes out yeah. When the dust settles. Who's on the team? Who's not? Who are they bringing in and where do I fit into to all that? But I also feel like with the transfer rumors, maybe Keon Brooks and his family don't feel the need to address, you know, things that may not be true. And yeah. so, um, there's still a pretty good chance, I would think, that, that he'll be on Kentucky's roster next season.
1: I do believe they need him. Chris, thank you so much. Chris Fisher, at Chris Fisher 247 on Twitter. Have a great Derby weekend, my man.
0: All right. Thanks, Gabe. You too.
1: Have a good one. And we are back in just a few with Ben Roberts of the Herald Leader to talk about Kentucky Derby. It's the Leach Report.
0: You're tuned to Talk Radio 1080 and The Leach Report. And visit TomLeachKY.com for more news and views on the Cats.
1: Welcome back to The Leach Report. Dick Gabriel in for the Kentucky Voice, coming to you from the Clark's Pump and Shop studio. It is Derby Week, which is the most important week. Right up there with Final Four week in the state. but. You don't know that the Wildcats or the Cardinals or whoever are going to be in the Final Four, but you know the Kentucky Derby is going to come around usually on the first Saturday in May. Of course, last year, uh, notwithstanding. But that said, we need to get more information. So we turn to the Renaissance man, Ben Roberts of Kentucky.com and a Herald Leader. He covers UK sports. Well, he covers everything, including horse racing, and does a great job for the Herald Leader. Good morning, sir. How are you?
2: Good, Dick. How are you doing?
1: Have you been on the backside all week? What's been going on?
2: I haven't, no. This has been, uh, John Clay has been up there, I think, yesterday and today. Yeah. This will be the first year that, uh, that I don't make the trip up there during the week, um, for quite some time i'll I'll be there saturday
1: though i know they're limiting people as well and i'm not making the trip myself so it's weird i know but let's still we can talk horses and uh let me jump right into it uh it's hard and it's been hard through the years to go against the chalk which i guess is a good thing given the point system now but it's it's not quite as sexy is it to 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 go with the, the short prices and not pick the long shots but uh people aren't that excited about essential qualities two to one. He's in the 14 hole. He's got a good trainer, a good rider, but, uh, you know, you always try to beat him to make some money, but people aren't talking about this horse. Like they have a lot of other Derby favorites, are they?
2: Yeah, no, I've, I've been getting that sense too. it. It, you know, it's kind of been reminding me of, uh, Nyquist a few years ago, yeah. who, uh, very similar credentials, undefeated. Uh, he had Doug O'Neill, who at that time had already won a Derby. Um, you know, had done nothing wrong, and it seemed like going into the race, uh, a lot of people, myself included, were just looking to try to beat him with somebody else. Uh, obviously, that didn't work out. Then we'll, we'll see. Uh, we'll see what happens Saturday.
1: Todd Pletcher's got some good horses in there, but of course, drew the rail with known agenda, and that's the only post position that where I tell people, I always say don't worry, unless your horse is a sprinter and he drew the 20, don't worry about any of them except for that one. How do you see it?
2: Yeah, I see it the same way, and I really like known agenda um, coming off that Florida Derby. Yeah. When I just, you know, with the blinkers, uh, it just looked like a totally different horse than, than he had been. Uh, even a few weeks earlier, and you know, Pletcher was really high on him, and, and I know there are some people that say, especially with this new starting gate, that say, you know, d- don't overestimate um how bad that number one spot could be, but if you just saw Todd Pletcher's face, uh, you know, <laughs> on the post-draw show, talking about it, I mean, he looked like a man who, going into the draw, thought he had one of the best horses easily, and Fifteen minutes later, it looked like a guy who had already lost the race uh, yeah. five days before it even goes off. So, you know, I, I think that was pretty telling. It's just, you know, that horse did have some trouble on the rail in the Florida Derby. He was able to get out of traffic, but of course, you got twice as many horses. You're going to have that crush mm-hmm. coming in, in the in the run to the first turn. There's just so much that can go wrong. I mean, just going back to looking at Lucky and, and what he endured, yeah. what over ten years ago, I guess now, but uh, you know. It, you just nobody went from that post. It's been Ferdinand since anybody's went from yeah. that post, yeah. um, and it's really that that entire inside. It's just hard to overcome. Uh, yeah. You know all the bad things that can happen down there.
1: Ferdinand was nineteen eighty six, and I remember I would always stand on the track. You probably do too uh, during the race. But I remember watching one year horses going into the first turn. I watched. I don't know which one it was, but I watched a rider become unseated. He got knocked so hard, Ben, that he flew into the air. But when he came down, they were so tightly bunched that he came right back down on his horse. He was kind of buffeted by a couple of other horses and landed safely in the saddle and was able to get back into the irons. It was not a horse that won, but it's terrifying sometimes going into that first turn. Uh, so that said, have you got a horse that, that we all need to, to take a peek at that maybe people aren't talking about too much?
2: Um, well, I don't know about about one who you know people are talking about because i i do think a lot of people are trying to beat essential quality and i, I think people are kind of spreading it around so i feel like we're yeah. hearing about quite a few this week um and i think that's the route i'm going to take just because i think there are some others that that are just as good and possibly better who are going to have a little longer odds I, I think i'm settling on on rock your world it's a mm-hmm. horse i liked even before he made his dirt debut in the Santa Anita Derby, you know, it's a horse trainer John Sadler was talking about eventually going that route. He was looking great on grass. He was training great on dirt. Um, he has the best speed figures pretty much across the board coming off that Santa Anita Derby win. Um, you know, got, got out to the lead in the Santa Anita Derby a bit uncontested, but he also put up, you know, really good fractions doing that. He, yeah. you know, he wasn't dawdling out there. Um, and, and he was able to maintain that. With a horse like Medina Spirit uh, running second, who, as far as you know, th- that horse just doesn't quit. Uh, yeah. You know, of all these three-year-olds, that's a horse who doesn't quit, and he was chasing them all out, and Rocker World was still expanding yeah. that lead at the end. So, okay. so I think that's that's the one I'm landing on as a winner.
1: Great, Ben Roberts. Thank you so much. Have a great Derby day. I Appreciate it.
2: Yep. Thanks a lot, Dick.
1: All right, Ben Roberts of Kentucky.com, and we are back in just a few here on the Leach Report.
0: Look for the Leach Report on Facebook. Show updates, contests, and other cool stuff. Check it out today.
1: Hey, Gabriel in for the voice of the Wildcats here on the Leach Report, coming to you from the Clark's Pump and Shop studio. And we welcome in one of Tom's regular guests and a buddy of ours on my show, the Big Blue Insider, Kyle Tucker from The Athletic, who works the U.K. Beat as well as the National Football League in a busy, busy time for NFL reporters. Good morning, sir. How are you? Good. How are you? What is it like for you now covering the uh, the NFL when it comes to preparing for the draft? Because man, there's a lot of lying and positioning that goes on. Is it <laughs> is it fun at all? It's got to be a huge challenge.
3: Well, I'm not as heavily involved in the in the NFL stuff right now. Right. Um, yeah, I was, I was essentially helping out um, during the season because I'm down here in Nashville. But I will be doing some stuff kind of more in my wheelhouse once the once the Titans. Complete their draft. I'll okay. be writing a lot about the guys that they uh, they draft, but I am obviously uh, paying attention to it, and it is remarkable this time of year, every year, to um, to hear some of the things that get said, whether they be publicly, <laughs> uh, you know, attributed to people like the crazy Shanahan yeah. stuff the other day about you know you know can you guarantee that. Your quarterback's going to be on the roster after the draft, and, and he says, "Well, I can't guarantee any of us will be here tomorrow." Which oh, you know man. is true, I guess. It's uh, mm-hmm. um, technically that is true, but it is a strange way to answer that. And then you know, sometimes it's more the, the weird things that are said anonymously. You know, you start teams start spreading disinformation uh, about players that they hope will fall to them. Uh, you start to hear some of the conversations about quarterback. Um, particularly black quarterbacks. Yep, you hear some of the same stuff, and Justin Fields is dealing with it. That's right. Again, this year, you you hear the same stuff all the time uh, that you don't hear about their white counterparts. Uh, that's always you know very interesting. I think it's uh, a little disappointing that we're still this deep into um, what we hoped would be a more progressive society, and um, and we've seen so many black quarterbacks thrive in the NFL, that we're still hearing some of the tired old um, sort of criticisms and critiques of those guys. So, uh, yeah, this is an interesting time of year because there is, as you said, just an enormous amount of BS um, (laughs) flying about you know, in the atmosphere.
1: <laughs> it really is. And Shanahan's quote was the weirdest pre-draft quote I've ever encountered. Now, I'm not a an NFL beat writer, but that is just, oh, my God. And when, if you're Jimmy Garoppolo, you're like, what? Uh, but anyhow, let me shift you over uh, to the U.K. beat, though, and get your take. I was talking to Chris Fisher earlier. And, of course, the Terrence Clark tragedy has kind of put everything on hold. But uh, I'm wondering, Kyle, uh, w- what, you're, what you're thinking about the the – Moves that Calipari is making with his staff, I think people may have seen at least one of them coming. But uh, Borrello and Antigua's gotta gotta feel pretty good about himself with uh, Illinois doing what it can to keep him, and then clearly Kentucky covets his return. Um, but this has been a, a really odd off season for Calipari.
3: Well, it's been a, a really bizarre and and uh, challenging year. You know, really since since they were in Nashville in March of twenty twenty and, yeah. and the season got canceled. Um, you know, it's been pretty turbulent continuously for them. Um and you know, it's really kinda hard to fathom when you think about all that they've gone through, you know, just from a basketball standpoint and, and now to have lost two former teammates um in the span of just a few months. Um and now that you know, obviously everything's going to be different next year. I mean, it's like the, the program kind of got uh, grabbed by that, the the feet and shaken upside down. Um, and so, you know, there's going to be a lot of new players. There's obviously going to be major changes in the coaching staff. Um, it remains to be seen if they can close the deal. I think they, were, they felt like they were pretty much locked up with Orlando Antigua to come back. Um, I certainly don't think you let anybody leave if you don't have that deal pretty well done in your mind. Yeah, um, you know Joel Justice going to Arizona State to be the top assistant there, and Tony obviously is the head coach at Central Michigan. Um, you know, I think they're in. A, they've found themselves in a bit of a bidding war on both Orlando Antigua and uh, Ron Chin Coleman, uh, who's also there at uh, at Illinois and uh, has some deep recruiting ties as a former Nike. EYBL guy and Chicago native, um, they've got a chance if they can get them both, certainly if they even just if they just get Orlando, but if they get them both to really make a splash, one, to really diminish the Illinois program coming off its best season in you know, 15 years, you deal almost a death blow to Illinois. Um, hmm. While also, I think, reigniting some, you, you hope, I think that's Calipari's hope, you reignite some of the, the, the magic of the first six years of the run here at Kentucky, Uh, with a guy who was here for a big part of it.
1: Yeah, there's no question about it. And uh, you had uh, written before about the the loss of Kenny Payne, you know, and and what he'll mean to the Knicks and what he did mean to Kentucky. And uh, clearly, and and I think the Big Blue Nation saw that almost immediately, or at least wondered about that. Could he have made that big of a difference? And the answer obviously is yes. And clearly uh, Calipari believes Antigua can mean that kind of a difference as well.
3: Yeah, and I think, you know, as much as anything, you know, I don't, I don't know that Kenny over the last couple of years at Kentucky really nailed it in recruiting. Uh, those weren't his, his best, uh, couple of years in yeah. that front, which is where I think a lot of people are going, you know, why aren't we getting the very, very, very best guys anymore? For one, there's a lot more competition for those guys now. Um, some of it on, on, uh, on level ground and some of it on not-so-even <laughs> playing fields. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and then also you've got the G League and other professional options competing for those guys. So the pool that you're actually able to go get uh, from the top tier is is much smaller. Um, but people do want to see Kentucky go get those guys. So, I, you know, I don't know that, like, Kenny leaving when he left, at the time he left, I don't know that Kenny was at peak sort of recruiting Kenny, but he never stopped being a great de- developmental coach. And I think too, Kenny was sort of like the good cop to Cal's bad cop, or sometimes vice yeah. versa. I think, um, but they played off each other. And and he was a guy as much as anything. I think what Kentucky missed last year was um, that guy that you know players felt like you know they called him Uncle. I mean, mm-hmm. a lot of those guys. I thought I did a big story on him a couple years ago. About how, you know, why he was so important to Kentucky. And I talked to all of the guys he coached that were in the NBA. Uh, and they all referred to him as an uncle or a father figure. Um, they all still talk and text him, you know, they, they love him. Uh, and that is carried over as he's gone to where a bunch of former Kentucky players are in New York. Um, and, and I do think Antigua could, has a, the potential to be that guy. He's a very charismatic guy. Yeah. He's one of those guys that everybody loved to be around you know, when he was here, and I think that's true of him at Illinois as well. And so, as much as anything, there could be a lot of value in that because Cal coaches guys really hard. I mean, he he is a challenging head coach to play for, and not everybody is, is you know, they, they, they're hashtag built different, or I think that's what it was, this past year. I mean, not everybody is built to be coached the way Cal coaches right. them, especially guys that came in being the hot shot from where they came from. You know, they're not used to being dealt with that way. And you do have to have a, a counterbalance, I think, in your in your locker room and in your gym, practice gym, when Cal is just grinding you down to nothing to try to build you back up. There's <laughs> got to be somebody else there to kind of right. remind you that that's what's going on.
1: Right. Cal Tucker, our guest, back with more. It is the Leech Report. Dick Gabriel sitting in for The Voice. Stay with us.
0: This is where the Big Blue Nation gathers. It's Talk Radio 1080 and The Leach Report, followed by Kentucky Sports Radio.
1: Dick Gabriel in for Tom Leach from the Clark's Pump and Shop studio. We're talking with Kyle Tucker of The Athletic, and we're talking, of course, about Kentucky basketball right now. Kyle, let me ask you the question so many people have asked me. Why has UK not yet heard from Keon Brooks? Because it seemed to me that uh, he was kind of relishing his role as, as the veteran and the leader on this team. Yeah, I, I think
3: probably a lot of it is just sort of trying to get a, a feel for what Kentucky's going to do. I mean, because one thing we know is that the roster is not done, you know, being added to. Um, and I think, I think Keon Brooks would love to be at Kentucky and be that veteran leader um, to play a big role, as long as he knows that that is, what's going to happen, if that makes sense. I mean, you know, if you if you still add somebody else, that may not happen for him. If Isaiah Jackson uh, comes back, that may not happen for him, because mm-hmm. there's, at that point, you've got, you know, Isaiah Jackson and Damian Collins and uh, Oscar Shibway. Um you know, you've got uh, not to mention Obi Toppin, and, or, sorry, Jacob Toppin, mm-hmm. um, and Lance Ware. I mean, you've got a ton of Uh, big bodies and then with Cal loading up on guards um, it sort of pinches him in both directions because you know Keon could play the three in a bigger lineup but if you if you're if Cal's out there recruiting all these guards and saying I'm playing three guards um, then he's not Keon's not going to be a three you know and if you if you have a crowd uh, you know down in the post then where are his minutes going to come as a four Um, so I do I think Some of it is just trying to get a feel, you know, see if they're going to add anybody else, see if Isaiah might come back. I still think it's more likely Isaiah leaves, but it's obvious at this point that having not still not signed an agent, um, having still not said I'm definitely gone, you know, the longer it goes, the more it seems possible that Isaiah does come back. And so um, as long as that possibility exists, I feel like Keon is just trying to feel it out and say, you know, do I fit here? Am I going to have the role I want to have here? Because I think he he is a good enough player and now experienced enough college player that, you know, he wants to be at a major program playing a major role. And I think that's a fair thing for him.
1: Isn't it amazing that Calipari has been here for so long, and he's had a relatively good amount of success, and yet, This has been described as his most vital off season in the time he spent at Kentucky, and and it's been a long time, really going back to his days in Memphis. He's had an off season that's that's this vital.
3: Yeah, I mean, where where you go, like, you know, if you don't fix it this year, you know, it's kind of everything's kind of up in the air. Yeah, yeah, that's. Cal has enjoyed, one thing he has enjoyed is even if people were frustrated, you know, we didn't finish this X, Y, Z season how we wanted to, you know, the first season when you got John Wall and those guys and they were the best team in the country and they didn't get out of the Elite Eight. Yep, That was frustrating to people. Um, You know, 2014 to get all, you know, to to struggle all year with this, like the greatest recruiting class ever assembled, uh, you know, when there were these undefeated hopes and you struggle all year and then you get, You make this magical run to the title game and lose. That there was frustration there that you didn't finish the job. Mm -hmm. Obviously, in 2015, to have the juggernaut that actually had a chance to go 40 and 0 and not get it done, there was frustration there. But you could only quibble so much. Like it was like that. You it was like your quibble was that you built the best team in America, John, and didn't win the the you know sudden death tournament at Mm -hmm. the end. but took everybody on a wild ride and everybody got to enjoy a, a large part of those seasons, the criticisms of him and plus he won a national title in there at one point. So like the criticisms were just, you know, we should be doing more, but now the criticism is like, have, have you just have the wheels fall, fall right? Off? Like, have you, have you lost the magic and are you unable to recapture it? And that's what makes this off season so vitally important. And now you've, you've, You know, clearly decided that you you need to shake up the staff. Um, You're going back. It looks like going back to the well and and bringing back somebody from those glory days of the first half of your tenure at Kentucky. You know, you're you're taking another approach and in trying to mix in. Recruiting high school players with trying to go get impact transfers—that that seems to be like the new frontier. Not not only at Kentucky but in college basketball. But I think Cal has kind of decided I don't want to be so young anymore. I, you know, which is a fundamental shift, yep. obviously in philosophy for him. So there's a lot of moving pieces where any if you get any one of them wrong, it could all fall apart. So he's kind of got a like all these moves need to be hit and yeah. that that that's a tough deal i mean there's you know things don't work out all the time we know that last from last year when everybody thought okay well now that they've gotten uh you know olivier sar and the number one recruiting class of course they're going to be great and it it didn't go that way so mm-hmm. uh, i think a lot of a lot of fans now are like skeptical of, of recruiting rankings i've i've encountered that a lot as as i talk about tweet about write about you know high school prospects that Kentucky is either signed or is, is going after now, saying, like, you know, I'm, I'm kind of over that. Like, I don't buy the hype on these high school kids anymore after the last couple years. Uh, and so people are skeptical even of, of the, the highly coveted guys that they're bringing in. Um, and so this is, to me, it's by far the most that, the, that universally in the fan base and, and I think in, you know, media that are watching and criticizing – The most universally, there is doubt about whether Cal is can still be at the top of the mountain.
1: Yeah. Well, Kyle, I appreciate it as always. And uh, real quick, do you have a Kentucky Derby horse? I know you kind of got pressed into Derby coverage when you were with the Courier Journal. Not so much now, but uh, uh, I always ask everybody if they have a Derby pick.
3: I don't. I haven't. I have. I'll be honest with you. My life has been so chaotic here <laughs> lately that I I haven't even studied it yet. I will. Okay. I'm gonna you know I'm gonna gonna be with some people for the race on Saturday, Good. and I'll Good. definitely be making a make putting some money down. So I'll have to do my homework soon.
1: Good. Well, I know that you know you you were not. You, we joke with you about having to learn about the sport real quickly, but you handled it well, and and I'm sure you enjoyed it, uh, even though it can be a grueling time if you're covering the race. But thank you so much, and uh, enjoy draft weekend as well. And I uh, hope to talk to you soon. Thank you, brother. Thanks. That is Kyle Tucker of The Athletic, and a shameless plug for them. And I pay for my subscription. This is not a freebie, but uh, you should really look into subscribing to The Athletic. Great coverage and great writing, not just Kyle, but up and down the website. We'll be back in just a few. You're listening to The Leach Report. The Leech Report. Dick Gabriel sitting in for the voice of UK Sports, and uh, we are happy to do so. Hope you had a great morning, or you're having a great morning, and uh, we will say that this is uh, usually the time when Tom. Uh, joins us with the Donato Slice of UK History and the birthdays and we will say happy birthday today to LaRon Ellis. He was a Wildcat for a couple of years. He was the Mr. Basketball in the state of California. He was the Gatorade California Player of the Year before signing with Kentucky. A Parade All-American. Played on that 87-88 team that went to the Elite Eight but suffered the upset of course and the loss to Villanova then transferred after the 88-88 Nine year, and was drafted in the first round by the Clippers, and I think he is still working in the NBA as a scout, if memory serves me. So, uh, congratulations and happy birthday to LaRon Ellis. That that team should have been a Final Four team. One of those uh, many teams that should have been in the Final Four, not just could have been. So, uh, uh, there are too many of those. Kyle made reference to them. Uh, you know the the Calipari teams. That were so disappointing. So uh, that was one of them. But uh, yeah, then he went on to Syracuse, and they had a decent time with him, but uh, didn't really uh, make a run at a national championship. So uh, happy birthday to him! And uh, keep an eye on a story. There is a group of uh, human rights attorneys who are trying to say make sure that the sheik who owns Essential Quality. Will not be allowed to attend the Derby because of a uh, pending legal action. He allegedly uh, saw to it that his daughter was abducted, and it's kind of a, a bizarre story. But uh, it may play out here this Derby Week. But a group of human rights lawyers and students at U of L plan to file a complaint with the Kentucky Horse Racing Commission. Uh, Sheikh Mohammed bin Rashid Al-Aktoum, who owns Essential Quality, they want to keep him from the Derby because of alleged human rights abuses against at least one of his daughters. So stay tuned for that. And uh, keep an eye on uh, social media and uh, traditional media to get more of that. All right. Thanks for our guest tonight or today. And uh, thanks to Shannon the Dude for his work this morning. I'm Dick Gabriel. Have a great day, everybody.
0: Thanks for listening to The Leach Report. Make sure you check out the podcast page at TomLeachKY.com whenever you miss a show. And be sure to follow The Leach Report Facebook page. If you have a question for Tom, email it to leachreports at gmail.com. See you next time, right here on The Leach Report.